everyone. Welcome back to another episode of THC True Hollywood Crime. I'm your host, Mariah. This is your smoking host. Hey, it's B and we're back, bitches. Me and Auntie B are back in the pod shed. How's it going, B? Woo, happy to be here. Happy to be high. Let's get our drink on. Yes. And we honestly haven't talked to each other because you called me once and I was like, I'm not talking to you until we're in the pod shed. And then we skipped a week. Yeah, we were supposed to. I'm sure all of our like all of our real fans know that we've been doing every other week, which has been working out wonderfully. Yeah. It's a much less stressful schedule however last week i don't know i've just been going through some medical stuff and last week i was really feeling shitty plus we record this i work saturdays we record this saturday night so usually you can get me in here and i'm doing okay but last week i was not doing well physically and i had just worked all day saturday and i couldn't do it so we skipped here we are if you haven't heard from us in three weeks that's why but now we feel great and we're together again. Speaking of not hearing from us in three weeks, you haven't posted to our Instagram. Nope. In officially a month today. I know. I looked because I was I like. I was too sick. I was trying to remember what our last one was. Uh-huh. And I'm like, what was it? And I'm like, oh, yeah. So then I went to look at our picture and I'm like, oh, nope. Nope. I couldn't. I literally couldn't do it. <laughs> I was in a lot of physical pain and I just, I, it was just one extra thing I couldn't do. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's get to the important stuff first. I need the wedding. I need the juice. My I need little the gossip. Wedding. Everything. Give it to me because this is the inspiration behind this week's episode. B picked this week's episode subject, which is very interesting. This might be the first one you've ever picked. I might have like we might have come up with some together, but yeah, yeah but I this think is this is the, the first, first one. one. I took the lead. I was like, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, so. God, two weeks ago, my little brother got married. Um, I know if you guys have been listening for a long time, you've heard me at least talk about him and my dad. My dad is really sick. My sister. Some of these characters have been on the podcast. For sure, we've talked about it. Stinky Pinky is because of. (gasps) That's right. Stinky Pinky is because of my new sister-in-law. Yeah. Was it at the wedding? No. God damn it, Lori. I know. God damn it, Lori. You literally had one job. No, you know what Lori's biggest concern was? Uh, Red Bulls. You need to have her Red Bulls on ice, ready to go. For sure. And your brother's sober. So I get that that takes priority. sober-ish. So, okay. So the wedding. Yeah. The wedding was great. It was down in the East Bay. All of my siblings and my stepmom, my nieces, my nephews, everybody lives in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So I don't get to see everybody very often, which is hard for me because I grew up you know, you I guys saw were together all the time, all the time. So anyways, I got to see everybody. I, of course, as you guys know, I'm a badass big sister. Mm-hmm. I got to see my stepbrother, who's my age. I never get to see him. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. You um, were in the wedding. Yep. The, everyone was in the wedding. All the siblings. My husband performed the wedding. The he efficient. was the officiant. What sucks is they flew out from shitty weather, Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Had gorgeous weather the week leading up to the wedding because they were here for a while before the wedding. Okay. It rained the day of the wedding. That's right. Which I told you is technically good luck. That's what everybody told them. Yeah. And it sucks to be that. I and get they it. were going back and forth whether or not to keep it inside or outside. The poor people moved the chairs a few times oh. until finally we're like, okay, if we walk right now, we're good. Yeah. And they had put the chairs back out and it was time to go. And as we were like sitting there waiting for everybody to get settled, it started to sprinkle. 
But you know what was fun is it wasn't a torrential downpour. Okay. It was just enough to make you uncomfortable. <laughs> but like everyone still looked great. Yeah. You know, hair and makeup stayed on. Yeah. Um, and it is good luck. And I thought it was like a fun bonding experience because everybody got wet together. Yeah, absolutely. All the, what do you call them? The, who watches a wedding? The guests? Yeah. The guests, the wedding party, everyone but my fucking husband who was underneath a gazebo. Of course. Got wet. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure it made for some pretty cool pictures. Like I love Well, guess those. what? It stopped raining five <laughs> minutes after they said I do. Can't, I can't. The only thing I felt bad about was because even after it stopped raining, obviously the ground was wet. So um, my sister-in-law had a gorgeous dress. She looked like a fucking knockout. Yeah. I've never seen her look like that because she's a bit of a tomboy. So she's always in like sweatshirts. So and like see her all dolled up. Yeah. She looked amazing. Her boobs looked amazing. Wow. Yeah. Knockout. But that dress will never be the same. The dress was very wet and a little muddy and yeah. she was having to drag it around everywhere. And I felt bad about that because, sure. you know, it's probably heavy and uncomfortable. Fuck yeah. But I loved waiting. Um, I love my little brother so much. One of my favorite people of all time. And it was so cute. It was starting to sprinkle. He's always really positive. And so like he like danced, like dance, danced his like yeah. way all the way down the aisle. It was so sweet. Oh. Um, reception was super fun. So I thought it was. Wait, gonna... wait, wait. Was Lilu the flower girl? Lilo? No, they wait, were supposed okay. to have another. She's a little. I think she's a little untamed to be yeah, a flower yeah. girl. I wasn't sure. Okay. Mm hmm. That makes sense. No, they're a flower girl. Unfortunately, couldn't make it last minute. But my nephew, one of my stepbrother's kids, was the ring bearer, but they made him um, ring security. So he was in his little tux, but he had on like security stuff, like sunglasses and a badge and like a special case for the rings. That's so cute. So cute. Anyways, um, the reception I thought was going to be a little boring. A lot of people in my family are in recovery. Yeah. But it should be mentioned they're in recovery from like hard drugs. Yeah. They don't they never had a problem with alcohol. No. So there is there was alcohol there, a cash bar, which is yeah. understandable. Um, but I was like, Oh, I'll just have a couple glasses of wine, we'll keep it light. You at a wedding. However You at a wedding. However, what I was not expecting was Lori's friends and family from milwaukee wisconsin who ready to party fucking put it away fucking ready to go they put it away yeah can we go let's fucking go yeah let's go wine tasting and cheese tasting so my husband met his new best friend his soulmate which was the guy i walked in the wedding with (laughs) because his wife is the maid of honor amazing meant to be um and they are the nicest people i've ever met we almost have them convinced to move to california um but they were so so sweet and kind him and lou are like lost brothers lives of the party and we got blacked out drunk at that fucking wedding oh my god i need pictures time of our lives (laughs) and even my little brother like i said his problem was never with alcohol so he didn't drink drink but he did um as soon as we were done saying i do and all of that he had a glass of champagne my fondest memory is me and your brother at your wedding in vegas because he and i were like the two like I don't know, outcasts, like weirdos, just being goofy goobers, yeah. right? And him trying to keep drinking off of my guitar yeah. that I was carrying everywhere full of adios and Long Islands and whatnot. And he, because he was underage And he kept time. getting kicked out of everything. Everywhere we went, he would get fucking eyeballed like, no, you cannot be here. Because not only is he not 21, he's so clearly not 21. Clearly, because he's baby face, he's even now. always such been like a little kid. Yeah, so... 
Yeah, you Love. supporting underage drinking, B. I know. Me. Shocking. No, he's always been just the goofiest, sweetest, funniest kid. Yeah, so much fun. And it, and he, like, he turned up and out for his wedding. He oh, looked wow. so great in his tux. He was so fun at the wedding, even, you know, sober. I actually prefer him sober. He's a real dick when he's on drugs. Um, and he's never been able to handle funny his alcohol. How, yeah, funny how drugs can do that to people. <laughs> Every party I've ever had that he was invited to where he could drink, he ends up passed out before anybody. Right. Um, he gave his wife a straight up like magic mic, like almost strip tease for the garter. Hey. There was a lot of moves going down. Uh-oh. So, yeah. We had a great time. Okay. But I did end up not remembering the end of the evening, which was at their Airbnb, because we had to sign the marriage license and do oh. all of that. Jesus. It's like mine all over again. <laughs> you had to sign mine, and you were like, oh, my God, why am I doing this right now? Why is yeah. there so much I didn't have to sign that, though. Lou did. Yeah. Oh so he is the officiant. I didn't have to sign. I just had to be there, because yeah. he's my ride. Yeah. And it definitely ended with me, like, talking shit and threatening physical violence on my brother because you know that's how i show my love <laughs> and i was really starting to annoy him which i really appreciate yeah yeah oh my god oh Pay- okay paybacks a bitch, i promise though. i'll stop talking about this okay so we're drunk the wedding venue is great really professional really beautiful the whole team i mean the food was great yeah. the booze the bartenders were giving us bridesmaids like free shots just because yes. we were bridesmaids of course um loved the whole thing yeah they had this rack for us to like hang our dresses on in the bridal suite. And it had mm-hmm. these gorgeous like white velvet hangers. Mm-hmm. I'm like these are nice fucking hangers. So then I get trashed and I go. Steal one. I go and change my dress and pack up all my makeup and stuff. And I did all of that in almost a like it's, I remember it. So it wasn't a blackout, but it's fuzzy. Oh, yeah. I stole almost all of them. And I hooked them because <laughs> I had a rolly suitcase. <laughs> And I grabbed almost all of them and I hooked them onto my suitcase and I left with my suitcase going, my little brother's name is Duel. I'm all, Dooley, let's get out of here. I took all their fucking hangers. They're hella nice. Let's go. And then we just announcing it to the fucking place. And then we left and I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And then I woke up the next morning and realized it was theft. At your funeral. (laughs) Your brother's going to be like, this fucking bitch at my wedding. No, no. I returned him. Oh, my God. I went back the next day. That's so funny. And I walked right past the manager's office. Didn't even make eye contact. No. Just walked straight him. back to the bridal suite, put him back. And then I went and knocked on her door. I was like, hey, I accidentally took a couple of the hangers because our last night. because our dresses were on them. And I just didn't realize they were your guys' hangers. So I just put them back. And she was like, okay, thanks. I love you so much. But I texted my brother the next morning. I'm like... I'm sorry I was so annoying last night. And he's like, oh, it's all good, sis. It was so fun. And then his next text after that was like, you stole all those hangers, huh? LOL. <laughs> Can I have that frame? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So oh. there you go. You can ask B, everybody. When I get oh, drunk, fuck. I start stealing shit. Oh, it's my every favorite. Every time. It's my favorite. I've stolen t-shirts. I've stolen glasses. I'll How steal anything. How else will anything. we survive? How else will we I don't know survive? why when I get that drunk I want to steal shit. Because we're evil. Because it's so funny. It's so funny. Because it's like naughty but I don't steal like anything that big of a oh, deal. no. It, we're talking like plants. Yeah. Like <laughs> just literal just, fucking It's just funny. And like salt shakers. Aww. The Parmesan cheese grater from Olive Garden. I went with Lou day drinking to Joe's Crab Shack one day and I stole their um, 
I think it was like their crab shuckers or and whatever. Doesn't it have something on yes. it that says you the next, stole this? Yes, the yeah. next day I sobered up and They're it's all I stole this from Joe's They're Crab Shack. I'm like, oh stolen. fuck, they know about me. They know. <laughs> Incredible. All right, that is the whole wedding recap. Okay. Give me what you got, B. I d- like I said, I'm just focused on like stupid news. I love stupid news. Right. Um, because I did my assignment early and then had a couple weeks to kill. So this shit is blowing my mind. They're coming up with a way that soon people like gamers will be able to smell. Oh, wow. So imagine your headset, right? Like uh-huh. my husband wears. But now just a little additional thing that goes like near your nose. Ridiculous. So we're talking the game that they did the test on, of course, is Resident Evil 7. Oh, God. What does that smell like? So Garbage? Did, no. Dead garbage, bodies? Fresh cut grass. Okay. But yes, decomposing bodies, uh-huh. um, garbage, but like woodsy yeah. types. I just thought that was so cool. Like rain smell well it's just like those rides at like disneyland or whatever but an at-home experience and then to go from there i guess they're also going to start working on simulating pain no yes so that people will actually be able to like it says to mimic unfortunate situations such as being pecked by a bird (laughs) well they already have ones that like simulate sex right like you can have a whole weird system where it feels like you're actually having sex with like a like virtual reality person. So when the first like virtual reality headset thing came out, Nick got one part of a bundle. Mm -hmm. Like we had just gotten all this shit because we had just had Violet. I think I might've even still been pregnant, whatever. But I remember his friend Gil was wearing it and Nick, of course, immediately downloaded porn because what else do you do with virtual reality glasses? Right. And Gil kept trying to, like, hump and, like, slap our daughter's bassinet. Because <laughs> it was, like, the perfect height and, like, yeah. whatever he could see. And Nick remembered thinking, like, sitting in his chair. He's like, if I'm sitting here doing anything in my chair inappropriate and, like, I forget to close the blinds just right. And, like, people can, like, see into the house. And I'm just in this own fucking world. It's creepy as shit. Yeah. Just the glasses. Oh, yeah. And those are the old ones. Because you, like, forget what's around you. Those are the old ones. Yeah. So the fact that they're this much better now. Crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I'll be impressed when they have the virtual reality sex experience with the smells. Yeah. (laughs) No, exactly. Oh, my God. Um... Have you done the one where you feel like you're walking off the edge of the building? Yeah. You're falling. Fuck that shit. That didn't actually bother me that much. But then uh, my brother-in-law, because he had that set and um, he had like a Minecraft one, which Mm -hmm. the kids loved because they got to like pretend to really do Minecraft in real life. And that shit was a little bit harder because you were physically trying to move things in your space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And next thing you know, you're like up against a wall or like knocking over something. Yeah. All right. Heidi Montag. Do you know who that yeah, is? Yeah, of course. I actually watched Laguna Beach and the Hills. Of course you did. Claims Lady Gaga sabotaged her music career after they worked with the same producer. Clearly. I quote. I was a rival for her at that moment. Please. Hmm. Really? A rival for Lady Gaga? Yeah, they're out of their mind. They've always been crazy. Wow. Wow. Her and her, I don't know if she's still with, I think she is. Her and her husband are wacky. Spidey? 
Oh, Spidey's for sure still yeah. a thing. Wackadoodles. Yeah. No, because they were the reason for the new like reboots or whatever. Okay. You know they needed the money. Yeah. But incredible. A rival. I didn't even like her on the hills pre like plastic surgery and all that. I never liked her yeah. air quote character. <laughs> rival to Lady Gaga. Get the fuck right. out of here. Stay in your lane. Jamie Lee Curtis, our queen again is going to officiate her daughter's cosplay wedding. Oh. And it's going to be a World of Warcraft outfit. Oh, boy. And uh, what the best part about this is just her fucking clean energy, right? So she goes on to, I believe it's Jimmy Kimmel. And uh, they're kind of like joking about it, right? Like, oh, you're dressing up in costume, this and that. And Jamie, of course, shuts them down like, oh, no, this isn't like playing dress up. Right. Th- this is cosplay. Mm-hmm. I have been working on this. I'm getting the outfit completely handmade. Like, this is a big fucking deal. And you will respect it. And Jamie Lee Curtis has the money to have her outfit handmade. Most cosplayers have to do it themselves. And when you see what they do, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, how did you do that? Right. No, she's like almost worried to the point like, I hope I get it in time. Yeah. Because she's getting it from like Russia or somewhere crazy. <sighs> Incredible. But they're um gonna do it in the backyard of her house. Where Which I I'm guess sure her is like other child got married. Cute. So it's like everything. Just everything. Everything so, she deserves. Yeah. Our just, queen. Oh, incredible. I can't wait to see. I wonder if she'll release a picture of what her outfit is. I hope so. Paralyzed man communicates for the first time in months. I want a beer. Perfect. I actually saw that. That's funny. <laughs> I couldn't. I had to. Uh, he also wanted curry, I think. And All I was right. Like, was he British? I don't remember. I don't see an American asking for curry. Eh. But Brits love beer and they love curry. Yeah. But either way, I want a beer. I loved that so much. This, I just thought the energy was amazing. So this woman gets out of being a juror for the Parkland massacre, whatever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because she's too busy being a stay-at-home mom having an affair. Perfect. She doesn't have time <laughs> to be on the jury because she can't give up what she's got with her. Did she get out of it? I think so. Amazing. <laughs> They're like, yeah, that sounds about right. Right. I'm like, Sorry, I can't be here because I can't jeopardize my relationship with my sugar daddy while I'm caring for my kids. That's right. (laughs) Plot twist. The judge is her sugar daddy. And he's like, yeah, that's about right. Dang. Breaking news. Oh, gosh. I don't even know the day. Three weeks ago. It was April 1st. Maybe it was a joke. Maybe it's (laughs) April Fool's Day. (laughs) The House once again passes the bill to legalize marijuana. So from here, it has to go to the Senate. We've been here before. Yeah. We did this in 2020, but we're doing it again, people. Okay. We're doing it again. 420 is right around the corner. Maybe they'll get it done. And I figure if we're going to talk about this house being passed to the Senate, we might as well congratulate Katani Brown Jackson for being the first African-American female Supreme Court justice. And with the highest credentials of anybody so, girl, use your vote. Supreme Justice. Do us all a favor. Yeah, <laughs> work, I think she will. Work that magic. I think she will. <laughs> I think she'll be a good one. So that's all my fun news for the week. Love it. Uh-huh. For the month, basically. I know. And then I've got a couple 
reviews for like TV and movie. Okay. We could save it. Oh, we can talk about it. So I've been re first of all, I've been rediscovering my love for true crime, which sounds like a crazy thing to say. Right. But I haven't actually listened to like any true crime podcasts or watching documentaries in a long time. Because outside of this. Yeah. Yeah. And it just starts to, I don't know. You just kind of get sick of That's anything. Um, I watched Bad Vegan when our bestie mm-hmm. Ben was here. I didn't watch the whole thing. The boys, because I thought it was a movie. And then like an episode and a half into it. I'm yeah. like, how much longer do we have? Like, it's a series. I'm like, it's all what? Yeah. <laughs> So they watched it. It was what I saw was really good. The twist, the turns. It's pretty crazy. But um, I've been listening to more true crime podcasts than I've listened to in a long time. I've heard some great episodes, one of which led me to watch a documentary called Jesse's Dad, which is a great documentary. If anyone's interested, it's um, Jessica. I don't want to say her last name wrong, so I'm just not going to say it. But um, Jessica was just a little girl who was kidnapped and um, murdered in a pretty awful way. And it was uh, her single dad's neighbor who did it. And there was just a lot about the police investigation and the fact that the man who killed her had been in prison for sex offenses against children before and nobody knew about it. And so after they figured out what happened to her and how badly some of that investigation got botched, her single dad, like her mom was not around. He was 100% a single dad. He's this like long-haired, redneck, biker, trucker, like roughneck dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't just take it. He got to work. And he has been, he, the documentary follows him going around passing what you guys might know as Jessica's Law, which is the sex offender registry law. He started that. Okay. Because he's like, had I known that a sex offender was living next door, I would have went and looked around. Yeah. Because his daughter was alive for three days in that guy's closet and the police were at the house and not searching the house because the family was like, yeah, we don't know anything. So his point was, had I known there was a sex offender, police or no police, I would have been in that motherfucking house. I would have known. And he would have saved his daughter. So... Great documentary. Very interesting case. I looked it up. There's no movies based on her besides a documentary, but I'm sure there will be one day. Yeah, It'll be a good case to cover. Um, but yeah, it's called Jesse's Dad. Good documentary. And then I have been re-watching because I was a little bored. Uh, I think this is maybe my third time watching the whole series, a series called Broadchurch. I don't know if I've ever talked about it on the podcast. I don't remember hearing about it. It's just a great one. If you guys love true crime and you guys like really great addicting TV shows, it's one of those. It's very much kind of like The Killing because you guys watch The Killing, yeah. right? But it's a BBC show. So Ooh. they get to get a little bit grittier. Love. And they have Oscar Award Okay, so the main lady in it has won an an American Oscar, and then the main actors in it, including her, have won, like, the British version of Mm -hmm. the Oscar. So you're talking about world-class actors, Mm -hmm. crazy good writing. It's so, so, so good. And what streaming platform is that? Netflix? Right now, it jumps around, because it's actually been over for a while. Okay. It's, like, from 2013, and they only did, like, three seasons. Um. Right now I'm watching it on Amazon Prime, okay. but it does jump around from like Hulu, Netflix, whoever has it at the and time. it's Broad Church? Broad Church. Broad is in like, hey, you dumb broad. Yeah. And church is in, it's let's, Sunday, let's go to. Got it. Um, no spoilers. This happens in the first 10 minutes, so it's not a spoiler alert, but basically it's like a very small, tight-knit coastal town in England. 
An 11-year-old boy is found dead on the beach. And one of the lead detectives who has to take on the case is the mother of his best friend. The parents are best friends. And she realizes quickly that all the people that they have to look at as suspects are all of their friends and family oh. and the people in the community wow. and how hard that is. There's a big twist of who did it. Cool. Great show. I mean, you're re-watching it. So. I'm re-watching it for the third time. That's I it. I definitely didn't watch anything that important. My <laughs> recommendations are on the exact opposite end of the spectrum. We watched the new Jackass movie. We watched that. It was cute. Oh, I mean, you're it. talking about somebody who owns the entire Jackass collection on DVD. So how many years do you think it took them to do it? Because Johnny it jumps Knoxville's around. hair alone. Yeah. Um, I don't think very long because I just know that um, in an interview he talked about when they had started filming, he was st- he's, he's been dying his hair for so long. Yeah. So all it is is that at some point he, he stopped. stopped and mm-hmm. short hair yeah. only takes a second to grow out. Okay. Yeah, I, I know I liked the it. hair goes back and forth. I thought it was funny. It was I liked a lot it too. of dick. Yeah, but that's, you know, I, I was just surprised. Yeah, it was a lot of dick. Yeah, but I liked it. I, I mean, I actually giggled. I laughed. Yeah, like out loud. So that's something. I agree. I don't think anything will ever be as good as the TV show was. Oh, no. Or that first Jackass movie. Yeah. I remember being in the theater for that first Jackass movie and absolutely dying. I think it's just kind of like, I don't know, just seeing them like grow up. It was. It is. It's sad for me because we were such big Bam fans. And to know that Bam is struggling so hard. Where's Bam? And I'm like, oh, where have you been? Bottom of a bottle. Yeah. Um, And that's the other thing that's sad for me is I obviously a big Ryan Dunn fan. So it it's just very bittersweet. Yeah. It's fun. It is a good movie. I like seeing everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just sad. Because it I miss Bam and Ryan. Yeah, for sure. You know. But my boo has always been Chris Pontius, and he still looks he's, fantastic. He does. He's such a cutie with a oh booty. Oh my god, he was so he really loved Chris it. Pontius was always my boo. No, I loved him. He looks great. Always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Ali Wong's new special. Oh, I have not watched it. She goes hard. Oh, good. Is she pregnant in this one, too? No. It's the first one where she's not pregnant? No, now she's finally at the age where she's starting to hate her kids and she's perfect. Relatable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Love my God. It. So good. We watched, um, if any of you are big stand-up fans, this will not come as a surprise. I didn't know who he was, but he's been around forever. But we watched um, Earthquakes stand-up special Mm -mm. you and nick have got to watch it he's an og he's been around forever so he's that old school comic and he is so fucking funny okay so funny great yep yay it takes a lot for comedy specials to make me like actually lol nowadays Mm -hmm. like laugh out loud Yeah, yeah and he had me yeah so there you go and then other than that just to slip in a monk reference because any chance i can on the only other podcast I listened to, I thought it was interesting that the girls used this to describe someone. They're like, you know, he gave off a lot of monk vibes. Yeah. I'm like, who else? Yes. Who else says that? Perfect. Yeah. They're like, yeah, we really liked her boyfriend because he gave off, you know, like a monk vibe. Yes. <laughs> I loved it so much. The fact that they could sneak that in there. Also, I listened randomly. I haven't listened in months to... um things I learned last night okay. and I just like put on one of the newer episodes mm-hmm. at some point in the gap of me listening 
So they were talking in this newer episode and they asked how big something was. And he's like, oh, because he's looking it up. He's like, it's however many acres. He's like, which, as you know, is blah, 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 hectares. And they started cracking up because they didn't like it was obviously a reference to one of their episodes where Mm -hmm. they were trying to figure out what a hectare was. I'm like, oh, we've had that episode before where we had no idea what a hectare was. So relatable. (laughs) Must be a podcast thing. Yeah. Or a dumb American thing. All the Aussies are like, yeah, we know what a Hector is. Oh, man. Okay. Is that it? That's it. That's all, all right. the filler for our very... I feel like we need a lot of filler, though, because today's a pretty short And that's what case. I was going for. Yeah. Um. So first of all, our THC drinking game is take a drink, a shot, a hit of whatever you're doing. Anytime we reference Monk, which we already have, we cheers, we mention a badass big sister, we're not in the pod shed, we spill something, or we reference an old THC episode. Cool. Cheers. Cheers Cheers to me remembering them all. First try. Hey. We are in the shed tonight. It is a windy night. It's It's a very windy. It's a blustery day today. There you go. Like branches that. were all over our town everywhere leaves garbage whatever umbrellas every single person that buckets. came into my salon today was complaining about their allergies oh yeah this is the first time i've lived in this town for almost five it'll be five years this summer and it's affecting you i've never had allergies here yeah my allergies only kick up in the east bay mm-hmm. in fact when we left here and everyone was complaining about their allergies we drove down to the bay area my allergies kicked in almost immediately. I had allergies the whole time I was there. And then we here. drove back home and they cleared up. But this morning with all this wind and everything and our quote unquote early spring. It's all stirred up. I actually have allergies and you can just see walls of pollen just oh. billowing in the wind. You're yeah. like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. No, Violet and I riding our bikes. Seriously. Yeah. I'm like, close your eyes. <laughs> like, <laughs> Don't breathe. Don't let it in. That's so funny. All right. You ready? Yes. Should you refill our wine? I should. Let's do it. Wine break. I got to be good for something. Earn my keep. Well, THC ASMR. Always. Would it be our podcast without the sound of us pouring drinks? And that's a bottle of wine gone. And I drank about a half bottle before B got here. So let's see how well I get through these notes, y'all. Yay. Mine's longer than yours. It'll work out well. Oh, I'm sure yours is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this week we are doing the case of. I don't even know their real The names. murder and kidnapping me. of Condra Torres and Jose Torres. Not to be confused with Cassandra and Julio Torres. Which for that the f- shit was so fucking funny for the first two weeks of research is what I kept typing in and getting almost nothing. <laughs> You're like, Bailey, what the fuck? I'm all there's nothing about yes. these people online. That's so wild. I found like one article and then I re looked at your e- your uh, text message and yep. I realized I had the names wrong. Yep. So it's not Cassandra. It's Contra C-A-N-D-R-A, I believe. And. Her husband's name is officially Jose Torres. <laughs> However, her and her family called him Julio as a nickname. Okay. So that's what stuck in my brain. Yep. <coughs> and neither of those names are in my movie. So perfect. <laughs> Woo-hoo! 
Let's do it. I will say that their case um, inspired a very famous true crime book written by a very famous true crime author. I know that you don't know who this is. Mm-mm. Her name is Anne Rule, and she's kind of like the OG of true crime writers. She was one of the first to do it really well, and she really inspired modern-day true crime novelists. Anne Rule was the OG. She's the best. She wrote a book. A Murder to Remember, so which is what inspired Boom. your Lifetime movie. There we go. Cool. Now, I did read some articles, but what I'm going to mainly note as my sources is first, I watched, this is both on YouTube, season nine, episode 10 of Medical Detectives. I watched there. It's like a reenactment show, you know? Yeah. I watched that. And then I watched an episode. Do you know who Elizabeth Smart is? It sounds familiar. She was kidnapped? Yes. Very good, B. Yeah. In like the 2010s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a very infamous case. Elizabeth Smart was kidnapped at 14 years old. She was held captive for over a year. And it was a very infamous case besides the fact that it was, you know, a blonde haired, blue eyed girl getting kidnapped. Yeah. There was CT, whatever, like, what do you call that? Security footage yeah. of her openly walking around with her kidnappers um, months after she had been gone missing. And the question was, you're like, you're in a public place. Why aren't you asking for help? Why aren't you running away? So she is a very classic case of what they call air quote Stockholm syndrome. Yes. Which we'll be getting into. Anyways, Elizabeth Smart now is um, a beautiful, intelligent woman. And she has her own show on Lifetime. Okay. It's called Finding Justice with Elizabeth Smart. And I watched um, this episode with Condra Torres, who is there. She's now a middle-aged woman. Spoiler alert, she lives. And so she gave a whole interview with Elizabeth Smart. So pretty much all my notes are straight from Condra's mouth. How crazy would that be, the two survivors? And it was very interesting to see them relate to each other in a way that nobody else could relate to them. No one. Mm -mm. It must be so reassuring and calming to just finally have someone see you and to hear you and to know that they actually totally understand yes and so that's what i watched cool okay you ready yeah mid-1970s 14 year old contra meets 19 year old jose aka julio he's a all-around great guy sweet kind generous loving family man even though he's 19 he's ready to settle down Mm -hmm. he comes from a huge family he's one of 15 oh my god his family is very tight-knit and close so that's all he knows Mm -hmm. and he meets contra and and if i'm saying her name wrong i apologize like i said i've had a lot of wine contra cantra i don't know how's it spelled c-a-n-d-r-a I think I want to say Contra, but I don't know if I'm just being like. Is it Chandra? No, no, no. It's definitely Ka. It's a Ka. Okay, yeah. Contra. 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 Mm-hmm. Anyways, if I'm saying it wrong. Just get with it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they fall for each other immediately. He's this like handsome, young Hispanic man. Contra's this absolutely gorgeous 14 year old with long, like waist length red hair. Beautiful girl. And actually both families are really happy for them, mm-hmm. including hers. And so when they announce basically at 15 years old and 20 years old that they want to get married, his family's for it. And even her parents are supportive because they know that one, he's a good guy. And two, what are they going to do? Fight against it. And then 
it becomes an even bigger problem with their daughter. So they're supportive as well. And so they get married. They have a great first year together. Everything is like perfect love story. As it should be. Fantastic. And all these years later, Contra still describes him as her soulmate. She truly believes that's who she was supposed to be with. And it just didn't go her way. Mm -hmm. So for their one year anniversary, they decide to celebrate by taking a camping trip to the Mount Hood National Forest in Oregon. I actually didn't write down where they lived before, but I also think they're from Oregon. I think so. I'm almost 100% sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What time of year is this? July. July. So they're going to go on a camping trip to Mount Hood National Park, which is roughly over 1 million acres B. Mm-hmm. of forest and rivers and streams and a big snowy mountain. They even bring along Contra's family dog, who she's had since she was little, named Rusty, mm-hmm. a very loyal, good boy. So they're out camping for a while, for a few days, and they are not catching, like, any fish. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, all right, let's just, like, pack it in and go home. They pack everything in the car, and then they notice a man standing at the other I guess the other side of the stream like watching them Contra's already in the car with Rusty um Jose who is very social and outgoing like hey how's it going yeah he meets and starts talking to this man named Thomas Brown and it's just kind of like cordial and polite shooting the shit And then Contra gets out of the car to be like, what is going on? And she said the minute that Thomas Brown laid eyes on her, his face lit up and his demeanor changed. And all of a sudden, Mr. Nice Guy, hey, I know a spot where there is great fishing. Like, if you guys just follow me, I'll take you to this, like, you know, secret fishing spot where they're always biting. So, of course, this young couple who's very trusting is like, all right. And so they follow him for hours. They're following him. And they finally, like, the sun's setting. It's almost nighttime. They decide, the three of them, like, let's just camp where we're at right now. They're out in the middle of the fucking forest somewhere. They don't even know where they're at. Let's camp here, and then we'll go to the fishing spot tomorrow. We'll finish it out. Now, Condra's getting red flags left and right. First of all, the first thing that pops up besides his personality getting kind of weird as the hours go on mm-hmm. is as soon as they break for camp, he pulls out all these fucking dead animals he has. Stop. <clears throat> and it's not it's like more than enough. Right. Like you would think like, oh, I snared a rabbit. That'll feed us. But she said he had a lot of dead animals. And he's like, yeah, I just picked these up along the way. Now we can eat tonight. And they're like, OK, both her and um, especially Jose are big animal lovers. Like, you know, they're like, fishing and stuff. They are not the kind of people to like just pick up. No. So they're like, OK. So that was a bit of a red flag for her. They spend the night. The next day they get up. They go fishing. Contra's getting more and more uncomfortable with this guy. Yeah. She just really feels like the vibes are off. Yeah. So Thomas asks Jose if he wants to go like deer hunting like let's go search for a deer thomas has a gun with him he has like a rifle with Mm -hmm. him and like we said outgoing social jose is like okay sure fine contra stays back 
at the camp, um, I believe with Rusty to like cook breakfast for everybody. And then out of nowhere, she hears a gunshot. Mm -hmm. And her first response is to panic and run. But she stops and she's like, no, you're being stupid. Like they're hunting deer that they probably were shooting at a deer. She's like, if I run away right now, what am I going to do? Get lost in the woods and my husband has to come find me. Right. So, yeah, I get it. So although she's scared, she stays where she's at and waits. And then Thomas comes back alone and he tells her, hey, we shot a deer down there. Jose's back there cleaning the deer, like, you know, skinning it and like gutting it and stuff. Sure. So he's all that's what's going on down there. And she immediately knows that that's not the case because Jose is not a hunter. He's never never been hunting before. Never. He has no idea how to clean an animal Mm -mm. like that. So she takes off running down the trail that she saw them go down looking for Jose. And as she's running down this trail, she hears another gunshot. And she looks and Thomas Brown has now shot trigger warning, has now shot her dog Rusty in the head. And she's in so much shock. She doesn't know what to do. And she just looks at him and she says, you shot my dog. And she says that he looks at her and a big smile goes across his face and says, I also shot your husband. Yeah. And. Of course, that's the scariest moment of her life. Of course. And then he pulls a gun on her and holds it to her and forces her to drag her sweet dog into the bushes to hide him. And then he takes her back up to the campsite where he gags her and he ties her up. And at this point, she said she knows she's going to die. And they're out in the middle of nowhere and their families are never going to find them. Yeah. Terrifying. So Thomas says that she doesn't have to worry. He's not going to kill her. He's actually wants to keep her as his wife. And they're going to like live in these mountains together. He's lonely. Oh, isn't that fantastic? Thanks, mm-hmm. Thomas. Hey, why don't you get some fucking game, my guy, and go hit on a woman? Like, right. what are you doing? Also, get an apartment. <laughs> also, get a life. Right. <laughs> get a fucking job, loser. In the words of Kim Kardashian, get off your fucking ass and work. Now, we need to remember at this point that Condra is 16 years old. Oh, my God. She is fucking. Jose was 19. She's 16. Oh, my God. Well, because a few years have gone by now. So she was 14. He was 19. They married at 15 and 20. And now it's a year later. So she's (sighs) 16. He's 21. Okay. Yeah. She's scared out of her mind. Yeah. She's absolutely terrified. Day one of capture is basically just her getting assaulted and raped repeatedly. Yeah. She says she lost count of how long it went on, but it goes on and on and on. And when he's not doing that, she's just crying because she's scared and she's grieving her husband. And of course she's crying. And then he like, Forces her to stop. He's like, you got to knock this shit off. At night, he makes her sleep in the same sleeping bag as him, like zipped up with him. Because he's like, if you try to leave, even when I'm sleeping, I'm going to hear you. and I'm going to kill you. If at any point you try to leave the situation, I'm going to kill you. She realizes that the only way to survive is to 
do whatever he says. Yeah. That's a conscious decision that she makes. It's also a conscious decision that Elizabeth Smart made yeah. that whatever they say, we're going to comply Absolutely. to stay alive. And he tells her this over and over again. If you just do what I say, you're fine. I won't kill you. If you just do what I say, I'll keep you alive. So she goes with that. And she's like, okay. She said she was so scared and was holding on to that last thread of hope so much that he could have asked her to do absolutely anything, anything, anything. and she would have done it. Yeah. No questions asked. Day two is when the gaslighting starts. Mm-hmm. This is when he starts changing the story that she knows to be true. It was actually an accident. I didn't shoot him on purpose. They were like doing this like thing where he was like basically passing Jose the gun mm-hmm. and the gun went off on an accident, accidentally shot him. Yep. You know that, right? So he starts putting this like doubt in her head. Mm-hmm. She's traumatized. She's scared. She's trying to stay alive. And now he's repeating to her over and over again this other thing that it happened. Was an accident. And now she's getting to the point where she's getting confused. Yeah. And she's like, what was did it happen? Was it maybe she didn't see it? Maybe it was an accident. Day three, he starts putting on the nice guy act and the you can trust me act. I'll let you go. Um, How old is Thomas? I didn't look it up. Okay. But he's older than them. Yeah. By a bit. I'm he's sure. definitely not a kid. He's no. at least in his 30s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, this is like her dad. But I mean, it's like. Yeah. yeah. And he holds all the power. No, he exactly. holds her life in his hands. He holds yeah. all the control. Yeah. He says, I'll let you go. But you have to promise to tell the police the truth, mm-hmm. which is that it was an accident. Mm-hmm. And of course, she's like, yep. Sure. You know it. You let me go and I'll I'll tell the police whatever you tell me to tell them. Yep, that's the truth. Absolutely. Great. So they start driving down the mountain in his car because she's lost. She's like, because he's like, oh, you can go. And she's like, how? how she's am I? never know. Wh- yeah. Where am I going to go? Yeah. So he d- he agrees to drive her down. Yeah. No, the whole time her biggest fear was just getting lost and dying in the middle of fucking nowhere and no one finding her. Yeah. So he drives her down and then she sees another like car yeah she says that she makes this like kind of like help me face like this like plea with her facial expressions and the car sees it and clocks it but so does thomas and he's like no i fucking saw that and we agreed on something and he abruptly turns into the woods he's like nope i guess we need more time in the woods so they spend another night together in the forest where he keeps repeating the same shit to her reiterating the same stuff torturing her and doing all the stuff that he was already doing over and over and over again until on day four, which is July 27th, he finally takes her back out of the woods. He's taking her back to civilization. And at this point, she's like almost grateful to him, which is crazy, but she's so grateful that he's like keeping her alive and letting her go home. Mm-hmm. That's like a very weird mixed feeling. I get it. Of course. Before they get to the police department, they stop at his lawyer's office because he has had some criminal trouble before in the past. He gets his lawyer on board and then the all three of them go into the police station where Thomas and Contra tell the police about the accident, the accident, the, the hunting accident, the accident that took her husband's life. The even fortunate mishap, even telling them that what happened with Rusty the dog was 
that when Rusty heard the gunshot, obviously it was an accident, right? But Rusty doesn't know that. So then Rusty Attack. aggressively attacked Thomas and Thomas had no choice but to, but to shoot Rusty in like self-defense. Of course. That's what Contra tells the police. So the police hook them both up to lie detector tests. Okay. Not so Thomas passes, which isn't surprising because he's we know this probably a about this. fucking psychopath, yep. but he's brainwashed Contra so hard that she passes too. <gasps> they tell the same story. They both pass the lie detector test. Wow, dude, this is light police work at this point. So the police go up to Mount Hood, do a quick investigation of the scene, and go, "Yep, that checks out," and that is. Case closed. Both are left go with no suspicion. Now, Jose's family is absolutely fucking devastated. This is the first member of the like core group of the family that has died. Obviously, he died way too young Clearly. and tragically. And they don't actually believe that it was an accident. Um, for one, because they told the police the whole like deer hunting scenario. And they're like, we know, we know Jose, he would never fucking hunt deer. Mm -hmm. That's just not something he would do. So they already are suspicious right from Mm -hmm. the jump that something is off. Why are you with this fucking man? Yeah. Contra goes home with her parents to her her parents' house. And she's dealing with obviously major trauma that she's unpacking. Mm -hmm. She talks about just... All the crying, all the baths she had to take. I thought that was very interesting. She said, I took so many baths just trying to like get clean of what happened. And Elizabeth agreed with her. And she's Forever like, yeah, clean. she's all like, you, there's not enough ba- bathing no. you can do. She's like, there's no, you can never be clean enough. You're always going to feel them. You're always going to smell them. Yeah. So I always thought gonna... that I thought that was very interesting that they connected that way. That's true. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The similarities. Mm-hmm. I get it. And now part of this process that she's finally home and can like think about stuff, she's kind of putting things together. And she's like, wait, was it an accident? But I saw him shoot Rusty. Like she's like kind of putting it and she's talking to her mom about it. Her mom's a badass bitch, by the way. She's the best. She's my favorite character of the whole episode. And her mom's like, are you fucking kidding me? He obviously killed your husband. Like, what are you talking about, dude? You know, that's not what she said, but that was the vibe I got. <laughs> she was like, oh are you God. serious right now? And so her mom marches her back up to the police station and was like, no, fucking tell them what, what you've happened? been telling me, what you're remembering. And Condra does that. And of course, the police write her off, blow her off right away. Because she's already told them a Pass story the that test. matches up with Thomas, that matches up with the crime scene. And passed a lie detector test. So they're like, whatever, get out of here. They do, however, because now they're suspicious of her. Because now she's going back on her story. So now it's making red flags go off in their head about her. Okay. So they give her a second lie detector test. This one she fails. So the lead detective calls a psychiatrist and basically asks, is this even possible like what's going on here how could somebody pass a lie detector test and then fail a lie detector test after they've changed their story 
Like, what's going on? And then that psychiatrist tells him about a condition called Stockholm Syndrome. And this is the first time that the detective had ever even heard of that. And so I'm sure everybody here knows, but Stockholm Syndrome is basically when victims start to feel like empathy or start to have feelings for their captors. Yep. So now I'm going to read... I'm going to read a... uh, It's a little long, but I'm just going to read it verbatim from uh, an article on, of course, my favorite, BBC. Mm. From BBC.com, what is Stockholm Syndrome, I believe is the name of the article. Okay. It says, the phrase was reported to have been coined by criminologist and psychiatrist Nils mm, Beherat. (laughs) Psychiatrist Dr. Frank Ochberg was intrigued by the phenomenon and went on to define the syndrome for the FBI in Scotland Yard in the 1970s. At the time, he was helping the U.S. National Task Force on Terrorism and Disordered, blah, 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 something, hostage situations. Okay, so his criteria included the following. Quote, first people would experience something terrifying that just comes at them out of the blue. They are certain they're going to die. Check. Yep. We should do a drinking game. Every time this matches up with Contra Story, we do a drink. So that's drink number one. Then they experience a type of infantilization. Infantilization. There you go, psych major. Where like a child, they're unable to eat, speak, or go to the toilet, or do anything without permission. Drink. Small acts of kindness, such as being given food, prompts a primitive gratitude for the gift of life. Well, so like him promising that he'll keep course, her alive. Of course. Without him, there's nothing. Yeah. The hostage experiences a powerful, primitive, positive feeling towards their captor. They are in denial that this is the person who put them in that situation In their mind, they think this is the person who is going to let them live. There you go. One last drink. Woo. So that matches what happened to Contra perfectly. Perfectly. And there, one month later, her badass mom, after nothing's happening, writes a letter to the governor of the state is that states have governors yeah. right she writes a letter to the governor yeah. and basically just reads him the riot act why isn't this getting more attention she straight up asks i mean it's a little un pc but this is the 70s she's like is this not getting the police's attention because he was a mexican yeah. her letter is so strongly worded that the governor the governor calls the police department it was like what's going on here with this whole Incredible. case yes queen yeah it girl so they restart the investigation and contra starts writing down all of her memories of what happened over that i think it was like five days or whatever and she finally makes an official 18 page statement which becomes the backbone of their investigation december 76 five months after the the whole kidnapping an indictment of murder is issued for thomas brown A warrant is issued for his arrest 
And Thomas is so like confident about it that he actually turns himself in thinking that he'll never get actually charged with this crime. It's a tricky case because they need to prove that like Stockholm syndrome is a thing to the jury and they need to prove that like brainwashing was involved, which is a little dicey. Like they're not dealing with hardcore facts. Technically, she did not see her husband get shot. So they're really going. It's her word versus his. And they have to convince the jury of this kind of like really out of the box idea for the time. Yeah, absolutely. However, they have a couple of tricks up their sleeve. One, Thomas Brown's former cellmate comes forward and says that Thomas told him all about the crime and what happened. Mm. And his cellmate had no knowledge of what Contra was you know, saying happened. Yeah. And their stories matched up perfectly. Okay. So that definitely looks bad. And then, oh, and that Thomas had told him that he, he figured the worst thing that happened was even if he's found guilty, he'll just go to prison for seven years or less. He'll be paroled out. And then he'll just go out and murder Contra anyways. Cool. No big. In all fairness to the cases we've covered, he's probably right. That probably, there's a good chance of that happening. That's so fucking gross. And then forensics for the time, they were really on top of it. They had some real, like, forward thinking, kind of groundbreaking stuff. They, there's something about, like, the trajectory of the bullets and, like, um, Jose's skin fragments that were on the bullets. And they figure out, basically, that Thomas was lying. That it doesn't match up with his. That's some fucking legit CSI shit. Yeah. Right. In the 70s. Yeah, for sure. And it doesn't match up with Thomas's story that basically they were passing a rifle back and forth. Mm -hmm. And therefore, Jose was shot accidentally at like close range. Yeah. The trajectory and his skin cells and something about burn marks basically proved that he would have had to have been like yards away from Jose before he pulled the trigger, which means he pointed the gun and fired. Nice. So a measly eight days after the trial starts, the jury and judge find Thomas Brown guilty and they sentence that motherfucker to life in prison. Cheers to that. Conjure goes on to live... As normal a life as she can live. I mean, obviously, she's dealing with a lot. Of course. She de- she's still so young. I mean, we're talking about she's only 17. Oh, my God. By the time the trial's happening. So she does um, kind of cut ties with Jose's family. She goes on to do some stuff. She finds God. She becomes a Christian. Like, I'm sure she was already a Christian. But she comes yeah. like super Christian. Um. She marries at some point and that doesn't last forever. They do end up getting a divorce. Like she said, she feels like Jose was her soulmate. Yeah. Um, so she's still dealing with a lot. But, um, you know, it was interesting to see her on Elizabeth Smart's show. I will say that um, Elizabeth Smart was talking to a psychiatrist who was basically saying that they believe nowadays that Stockholm Syndrome is like an outdated and like disrespectful term. They feel like it really cheapens the victim's experiences by saying like, oh, it's like they 
or not make believe, but they just feel like this whole idea that the victim could even feel like empathy or like, like, oh, they have feelings for their captor dismisses what they're actually now describing as a survival tactic. And I thought that was very interesting because that's the way that Contra and Elizabeth Smart, whose cases happened, I mean, a lifetime apart from each other, decades apart from each other. And they both survived. And they both talked about how they made a conscious decision to placate their abusers and go with it to survive the situation. And they both survived. And I'm not saying that that's what you should do. And I'm not saying that that's what works. But they're just saying that this whole idea of like, they just couldn't help themselves but to start to have feelings for their captors. They're like, no, bitch. We decided the only way that we could survive was to like take the most brutal experience of our lives and fucking be strong enough to take it and get through it. I'd do it. And of course, they said a lot of people will do it. So I just thought it was interesting that psychiatrists nowadays are saying that we shouldn't, that term is outdated and that it's really a survival tactic. That's brilliant. Yeah. And we got two badass bitches who survived to tell the tale. Absolutely. That's incredible. There you go. Yeah. That's the the Torres case. In any situation. Well, what else are we going to do? Right. Of course. Because I think the whole idea behind Stockholm Syndrome is that like, Afterwards, you would still have feelings. But these women are saying like, no, we did that to survive. And afterwards, like, fuck that motherfucker. Like, we're not. They don't still have feelings for these people. Exactly. No, it's the abuse and the rape. That's obviously the hardest part. Because you do. You just have to, like, just sit back and tolerate it and keep your mouth shut. Because the one time she did try to make even, like, the slightest facial movement. Yeah, she paid for it. Yeah. Uh And we've heard so many cases where, like. People get manipulated by the we'll kill your family, we'll hurt people you yeah. know if you speak out or if you try yeah. to run away. Or It's a lot. When your brain is that traumatized and you're that scared, it's real easy to convince people of things. Yeah. And it just sucks. It it's sad. All right. How's your movie? Great. It's a Lifetime movie. What lifetime more? always kills it. What more can we fucking ask for? Before I get started, would you like a top off? Sure. Let me chug this. Right. Chug it. Chug. You know what I just realized? I think as we were cleaning the garage to yeah. get ready for our next batch of animals. Um, Live found, animals, people. Not right? Yeah. Like new chickens. Yeah. You're getting new like little farm animals. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, my I don't have a beer bong. Oh, at all? At all. Where's your bridal beer bong? They they all. Oh, do you want to take the two turn Tony one home? Well, no. I I think it's just it's time for me to build a new one. And oh I, wow! Yeah, but it's what just, are you gonna put on it? There's I know. So many options. I know. But I just it was it was a moment where I really like sat there and I was like I really I don't have a beer bong like really this is my life. I feel like our two turn Tony beer bong has a what's in your glass? That's what I'm trying to figure. It's my ash from my oh mind. um. Our two-tone attorney has a duck, of course, but since you had this idea while getting ready for new farm animals, you should put like a chicken on it. <gasps> that would be cute. That would be super cute. Feel free to, I guess we have to make them. We should make like a THC, um, oh, Papa Mu? Papa Mu and black cherry. Oh. I went with our faves. Yes. Um, we should get like a THC sticker. Yes. We, we should make should. a THC beer bong. We absolutely should. 
2020. Very recent. A lifetime. Murder to remember. Fucking wind, man. It's so windy. I, I don't know if you guys are going to be able to hear it on mic, but it is yeah. like there's a tornado outside. All right, nothing we can do about it. From above, the camera is panning across a woodsy area with a large lake and a white truck driving on a dirt road. It's like what country songs are made out of. There's a young woman. You've got to put the mic closer to your face. There's a young woman sitting in the passenger seat looking rough. She's dirty and she's clutching at a cross necklace that she wears. The man in the driver's seat gives her a reassuring touch, telling her, don't worry. It's almost over. Everything's okay. And she seems to believe him. Mm -hmm. The next thing I know, the man, Sam, and the girl, Robin, are at a local Oregon City Police Department telling the lady at the front desk that there's been an accident. Her husband was shot. And how young does she look? Very young. They do play her young. I was going to say 19. Yeah, but that's close. But she's very young. And they, yeah, because in real life, obviously she was young. But when you look at the pictures, because girls in the 70s do not look like girls in the 2020s. And she looks like a baby Mm -hmm. in her like wedding pictures and stuff. Yeah, no, very young. The sheriff, a woman catches this from her office and asks Sam to take a seat so she can speak with Robin in private, obviously concerned for her well-being. Robin's tense. She's clutching at the arms of the chair. She's playing with her wedding ring. She's looking over her shoulder to to Sam for reassurance. And she begins to tell the sheriff tomorrow would have been her one-year wedding anniversary. Lovely. And that's why I picked this for our episode. I couldn't find a wedding day murder. Mm -hmm. So I found one that was like a wedding anniversary. We wanted like a wedding theme. Absolutely. Okay. Real quick, just to back me up. Thomas Brown in this, I looked up very quick on a website called Crimeaholic. Mm-hmm. They said Thomas Brown is 29 years old at okay. the time of the kidnapping. And I would have put him in like his early 20s. Like okay. I would have put him like 24-ish maybe. And it says to this date, he remains behind bars incarcerated at the Oregon State Penitentiary. Amaze. I love that. Great. Okay. Robin tells the sheriff that her husband, Javier. Oh, Javi. That's what I would call him. That's what I'm going to call him. Javi. Thought that it would be fun to go camping to celebrate. Cue the cheesy music. And we're back in time. Robin is now in the passenger seat of a station wagon. Javi is handing her a red bag with a bow as their present for the anniversary. Javi. It's toilet paper. Oh, because they're camping? That's funny. No, and on top of it, he's written all these sweet notes on each piece. 
Like Aww. each sheet has like a little something about that's their- cute. Super fucking cute. So she's in a fit of giggles. So here we are, where he's like, to me, he looks like he's like nineteen. She could be like sixteen or whatever, and they're babies. And yeah, they're he's being cute and, and sweet. Yeah, and they're giggling, and it's everything. He parks the car and tells her to look under her seat, and it's her real present, and it is the gold cross necklace that we saw her oh. it was his grandmother's amazing and he's like my mom wanted you to have this cute right so clearly we know family everything yep and family supportive mm-hmm. they're on board and the the religion and all of it she promises to never take it off and they kiss and it's cutesy whatever they talk about hiking the trails together and robin makes this weird fucking comment that's like I'm going to stick to you like glue. Like these, wo- like the woods are weird, right? Like there's a boogeyman in the woods. Oh, like, okay. Like he's, he's out to get us or whatever. But again, they're young and in love and they're goofing around. They drive to the campgrounds. Robin grabs her fishing gear and takes off to catch them dinner while Javi is back to set up camp. She comes back empty handed and he jokes, um, or no, she jokes, like, I guess I'm going to have to make it up to you, like, wink, wink. Okay. Right, I'll make it up. She points out to the other families with kids camping nearby, and they're talking about having a family of their own. The next morning, they go fishing together. This time, Javi is trying to, like, teach her to do her own bait with the worm. No, thanks. Nope, Exactly. When I go fishing, other people have to bait my hook. So she's like, I'm good. I'm going <laughs> to kick back under this tree. I'm going to chill. And she's one of us. Yep. You're like, bring me a drink. If you want, hand me a fishing pole. But she got real fucking comfortable, though, because she falls asleep. Okay. And when she wakes up, he's gone. Mm. Okay. She's panicked, yelling. She wanders into the woods. And eventually she does find him. She finds him with Sam. Sam. Thomas. Right. From the beginning of the movie, he is the guy in the white truck, and the white truck is now stuck in the mud, and he's asking them to get it out. Mm, Ted Bundying them. How nice of them to help. In reward, let me take you to my secret fishing spot mm-hmm. no one else would know javier is hesitant but robin is the one to convince him that it's oh okay. interesting opposite from real life mm-hmm. so they pack up and they follow and on the drive javi's like does it feel like we're going in circles when sam stops suddenly and says hey I think I made a wrong turn a while back. It's probably best if we stop and camp for the night. Perfect. Mm-hmm. All right, B, this is a great time to ask. At what point in this story do you tap out? At what point do you, like, pressure your husband to... We never would have gone. <laughs> <laughs> you mean in the first place? Or you mean you would never gone with Sam, no, a.k.a. Thomas? With Sam. Yeah. Me yeah. neither, girl. No. We would have helped him with the truck and, and then be peaced on out. Your way. 
in all fairness to you, you guys would have never gone. That's why I asked point blank, period. You'd be like, we're doing what for, for our, our anniversary? anniversary? We're going Go camping. fuck yourself. I know. I but no, I know. I was just, I always love to know like when we would tap out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You? Same, same, mm-hmm. same, same. Because mm-hmm. my husband for sure in, as. You see a truck in the mud. Both I get of, that. And both of that. our husbands are very social, outgoing, kind guys. They want to help just like Jose. To be fair, at this point, Sam is. He is nice. He is charming. Yeah. And our, just... you know, our husbands are like, hey, and now we're having beers and now we're getting trucks out of mud. And yeah. So again, I, uh, I could see our, would Lou be like, let's go to the fishing spot? I would tell him no, even if he said no, yes. No, no, but would But Lou... I could see us like staying and having drinks. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you have some beer? Like, yeah, we'll stay and like kick it and like. Do a little bonfire night, but I don't think I would follow him into the woods for hours. Really now. think about that, listeners. Like, what would you do yeah. in this situation? Because I agree, my husband would be like, "Hey, that sounds pretty cool," and I'm like, "I'm, I'm no, done. I'm, I'm done. Tapping out." I tell you what, why don't you go and I'll stay in the car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Come get me when you're done. Or be like, "Well, at least tell me where the spot is, and then when I'm prepared or whatever." It's just like, no, this wasn't part of the plan. B you loves don't the plan. Deviate. From my plan. Not from B's plan. Not from what are you my crazy? Fucking plans. No. <sighs> okay. Javier, again, he's like, I don't want to camp out and stay, but Robin is afraid of getting lost in the woods at night. Right? Fair this enough. is a fa- it is a legit fear. Like mm-hmm. we aren't familiar with this area. The sun's about to go down. He claims he knows what's up. And woods look way different at night than they, they do, do in the day. They're way scarier. You have no idea where you're going. Right? As they're making up their minds, a deer goes by. Sam and Javi go after it. And it's not long before Robin hears a gunshot. Mm-hmm. She goes to see what happened. And she sees Javi dead. Sam is standing there like it all happened so fast. I don't know what's going on. Robin takes off running. Okay, good for her. Sam's following yelling. It was just an accident. And then we suddenly see her back in the station talking to the sheriff saying because she was so scared, she just took off. And got them lost even farther into the woods like it was her fault. Of course. Right. And I will notice no dog in this one, huh? No dog. Thank no God. dog. Thank God. I Thank you. I'll add points to that. Leave wow. That we'll add a knife because there's no dead dog in this one. Right. Leave it out. It's not <laughs> worth it. She looks over her shoulder at Sam like I never would have made it out if it weren't for him. The sheriff calls Robin's mom down to the station, takes her aside, lets her know everything that's happened. Sam claims the gun went off when he handed it to Javi. Whole thing, blah, blah, blah. Robin's mom immediately asks about Javi's body. Mm -hmm. Where is it? And the chief's like, um, or the sheriff's like, we can't go into the woods yet. We have to wait until it's morning. We're not going to be able to find it in the middle of the night. Yeah, because you would think if they're panicked enough to leave the mountain, 
If it was somebody you cared about who just got shot, wouldn't your first instinct be to get them? Even if it's a lost cause, yep. I feel like your first instinct is to put them in the car and drive them to uh-uh. anything, a uh-uh. hospital, a ranger station. Yep. They recommend that the mom take Robin home. They just get some rest, whatever. And they leave Sam there, but he stands and he's like, really sorry about everything that happened oh thanks Sam Robin tells her mom that she owes her life to Sam I never would have gotten out of this without him and he gets this creepy fucking grin on his face and he's like don't you worry I'll be keeping an eye on you and your family for a long time yeah gross The cops put Sam in a hotel for the night and they tell him in the morning that he will lead them to the body. Robin gets home. She's in her room. She's terrified. The phone's ringing off the hook. It's obviously his Javi's parents. They need to know what's up. They're freaking the fuck out. The mom is doing her best to like reassure everyone it was a tragic accident. The family isn't buying it. They want to blame. Whatever. It's a mess. But once Robin's alone, she's, like, in the fetal position, like, rocking herself. Like, trying to convince herself, like, stop it, stop it, stop it. Right. Right. We do see her fall asleep. And then she's waking up by nightmares of everything that happened. And she's taking the baths. Yeah. Right. Holding herself tightly. Chanting, stop it, stop it, stop it. Her mom comes in, like. It's okay. Yell, scream, like hit me. I don't care. Like get it out. Right. Whatever you have to do, I'm here for you. I just, I need you to talk to me. And this is when Robin tells her mom she believes that Sam killed Javi on purpose. So we see Sam back at the station getting the polygraph. and He admits to shooting Javi, says it was an accident, tells everyone that he was distracted by Robin Robin was flirting with him. He didn't notice the safety was off. They asked if he moved the body. He said no, but Robin did. He goes on to say that Robin was the one that was acting different once Javi was dead. Like, she was out of control. Oh, gross. No. So the fucking sheriff is like, oh, so what you're saying is this is all Robin's fault because she's into you And you feel like a woman who's just seen her fucking husband die is out of control. And she's being too emotional. Yeah. So I'm like, yes. Yeah, that's right. Give it to him. Tell him. And they finish the polygraph and Robin and her mom come bursting in and they make a huge scene and they're demanding to see the chief. And it's just like, it's a fucking mess because... It's just, it's making everyone look bad. Like, you're you're ruining your own credibility, but, like, coming in so hot. Right. We've seen it time and time again, right? When Robin's mom sees that they're releasing Sam, she flips the fuck out. Rightfully so. But like we've seen in episode... Oh, my God. 
six. Oh my god! With Angelina Jolie and the Changeling. Yeah. Episode twenty-three. Strong Island. Strong. Whoa, Team. that's Episode who I was thinking of. Twenty-eight. Reese Witherspoon. Devil's Knot. Right. All of these moms demanding. That's these right. Truths for their babies. That's right. Amen. Oh. Yes, moms. Well, cheers to that. That's three THT references. And the chief is like, you will respect my office. <laughs> You'll respect my authority. Right? You will respect me and my staff. You have something to say to me. You say it behind my closed doors. By the way, just like all the cops in all those movies we just meant, or all the cases yeah, we yeah, just yeah. mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now. Robin's mom is like looking crazy. The chief is thinking or the sheriff, whatever, is thinking. She's like overcome with grief and not thinking clearly. Robin is no longer wanting to talk at this point, right? Like she's backing out. Like Mm -hmm. everything's a fucking mess. But she does change her story once everyone calms down. And she's telling everyone that Sam kept her hostage in the woods after killing Javi and they're like, so exactly how long she's lost track of time. She's like anywhere two to five days, like based on everything that happened. She doesn't really even know. Uh-huh. Right. In a flashback, we see Sam and Robin walking through the woods. Sam's telling Robin if they were to get lost, no one would ever find her. She's exhausted and emotional she stops like I can't do this anymore and he's like fine we'll camp here demands that like she sets up camp go get the fucking firewood do this do that and if you don't I'll fucking kill you if she tries to run I'll fucking kill you if you try to talk I'll fucking kill you um it reminded me of the guy from practice holes episode 51 the guy that he convinced the girl the badass big sister Mm -hmm. that he was a cop Mm -hmm. because he kept telling her he was like some secret agent right so like that's why he has to hide out in the woods and that's why he doesn't have a house or anything because he's always on the go (laughs) i totally forgot about that yeah 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 yeah. that's wild this guy is exactly that way he's like i'll fucking snipe them and if we make the wrong move, they'll fucking snipe us. So, or just like the girl in the box, right? Didn't he like convince her that there was a whole network of like sex traffickers that if she tried to escape, they'd like kill her family? Yes. But it's like these guys always coming up with these like big that don't lies. exist. They don't fucking exist. Yeah, they're fucking fake. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. They come up with these huge schemes. And so- nowadays, it's easy for us to be glib. Or to be very jaded. But you got to remember, back then, they didn't have the internet. They had no, like, outside influence. If you're from small town nowhere, what the fuck do you know? You said this was a 16-year-old in the 70s. Yeah. What the fuck would she know? In the middle of nowhere, Oregon. What the fuck would she know? Right. So, yeah, it's very easy to now be like, oh, that's, like, how could you ever believe that? But, like, how could you not believe that back then? I would absolutely believe that. I mean, I I might believe it now. I would believe fucking everything. I would believe it all. So he's some fucking special ops soldier, basically, in her eyes, right? Um, back at the station, we do see Robin failing her poly. 
This is her first one? Yeah. Well, we only see her take one. Okay. And she fails it. And she fails it. And she's telling the story of Sam's story. And he takes one and he passes. Okay. Okay. And Robin's mom, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I don't give a fuck what your polygraph says. I know my daughter and I believe her. So they're telling her the best thing that she can do is to get her daughter some grief counseling. Perfect. And mom's like, no, I, fuck you. W- nothing can explain these missing days. Yeah. You can't just pass that off. Like if it was just an accident, then they would have just <clears throat> driven straight down after the accident. Right. And none of this. Called for help. None of it adds up. And the sheriff agrees. Like, absolutely. But we don't have any evidence. Like, what do you want? So on the way home, Robin freaks out, thinking they're being followed, pleading with her mom to stop driving. It ends up just being their neighbor from across the street. Mm-hmm. She's obviously suffering like PTSD. Yeah. Having a horrible time. When they um get her inside the house, the mom is nothing but supportive and reassuring and just telling her everything she needs. What right. a great mom. The best fucking mom. So what I a love great mom. how much you. Yeah. yeah her mom is the best in real came, life. Yeah. I love how much that came across. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. They're having a moment where they're sitting out like on the front porch and the mom, we learned that Robin's dad passed away of cancer. And the mom tells her about all the grief that she went through and how she would hear his voices and like for the longest time and just the way the different people process grief and <laughs> I get this. Robin's like, I appreciate what you're saying, mom, but dad died of cancer. He was sick. My husband was shot. And right. the man that killed him is still out there threatening to kill both of us. Right. So it's a little different. <laughs> But what are mothers, if not people who make things about themselves sometimes? Yeah. Back at the station, the sheriff is finally getting the records on Sam and realizing he is a fucking piece of shit. Hey. Robin decides she's ready to talk to Javier's to Javier's parents. And her mom thinks it's a horrible idea. But they go through with it anyways. And it is a horrible idea. <laughs> Javier's dad is furious at her and everything like just because the changing of the story is like it's a lot I mean if you think about the fact that it was your kid who died and this is what you're dealing with it's a fucking lot and because I was reaching for drinks not knowing you were going to come in so clutch (laughs) with your little quote here Javier's dad Demi Castro Will be in Netflix Jeffrey Dahmer's miniseries set to release sometime this year. And this is relevant because I mentioned it on episode 36 because Evan Peters is going to be Dahmer and I think he's going to be fucking awesome. All right. So, boom. Let's drink. Woo. Also, Netflix is about to come out with another I don't know about another, but a new documentary. You know, Netflix does documentaries correct. Yeah. On John Wayne Gacy. I got a pop up on my yeah. phone. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to watch it. I might. But also, mm, I feel mm-hmm. like I know enough about John Wayne Gacy. 
how much time can you really invest? How much time do I need to hear about him killing boys? Unless we have a Gacy party. No, I feel like that's too much. We can't eat fried chicken and watch. <laughs> I just, I don't know. It's hard for me because he was killing minors. I know. So it's really hard. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. And then I feel like he gets a lot of recognition because his like paintings yeah. sold for so much. I'm like, fuck that guy. Why do you want a fucking Gacy painting? Eat chicken and, and dress paint? like and dress like clowns and paint and do a paint we, party uh, while we watch. That's a lot of things to do at once. Can I just sit in the corner? Can and we drink? paint with the chicken? I tell you what, you do all that, <laughs> and I'll just drink, dressed as myself. But I'll take no, pictures of you doing it. We can't all dress like clowns. <laughs> You're the only one with a clown costume. But doesn't mean I don't have enough to share. <laughs> <laughs> you get the afro. Right. I, I get the everyone. Thing. Someone gets a nose. That's right. Anyways. And we all get fried chicken and we all drink. And Listen, any excuse to drink and eat fried chicken is something I'm down with. But where are we getting the fried chicken? It's an important answer. So you better fucking be think KFC. about it. No, I don't care if that's what he liked. I'm not eating KFC. Well, then I want roasted chicken. No, I want Popeyes. Oh, but you're right. If it's a Gacy party, we have to do KFC. Yeah. It was his final meal. No, it's a Gacy party. We're doing KFC. KFC does have such good cornbread and biscuits. And I mean, let's get some gravy shots. Okay. Yeah, but they're not going to get that joke, B. That is, they're not going to get it. It's going to take too long to explain. <laughs> I don't want to explain it. That's our joke. We're going to get back into the movie once I can find out where I left off. Listen, if we're still doing this podcast in 20 years. Well, We'll we can best. we can circle back around to this reference. What episode number is this? I don't know. <laughs> what do you think I know? Sixty-seven. Losing notes. Okay, hold on. Mayhem. Mayhem. Okay. All right, back to the movie. Let's get pull serious. It, pull it together. Robin tells Javi's family that he was murdered. Gives them back the cross necklace, knowing that it's an heirloom, and she no longer feels she deserves it. Oh, man. So while the dad's blaming her for everything, the mom is not so mad at her, but also can't look at her. Right. Yeah. So that's like, oh, so, so painful. At his funeral, the sheriff waits clearly the most appropriate time to approach Robin oh, and my tell Lord. her that she now believes her. After seeing Sam's record and to prove that she's on Robin's side, she confirms that she went above rank and, you know, we now know that Sam was lying about being a secret agent, agent of anything, of Listen, anything at all. He's if this is piece of shit. entertaining to you at all, people, mm -hmm. you got to watch Bad Vegan because a guy claims very similar things in Bad Vegan. The sheriff has gotten her... A psychologist to help tap into those repressed memories. And we see in those memories how Sam took her to a shack that he built in the woods. Very like practice holes. Out of, but no, practice holes was like the luxury of holes. Right. It was a good hole. He had TV. He did. He had, the, yeah, electricity. Like, he had a legit, like, a, a bunker. There was, like, he, shelves. Yeah. But, you know, 
it was also worse than episode 10 <gasps> with Sissy Spacek at Martin Sheen. Do you remember? <laughs> the tree with the treehouse? Yeah. I do. They had fucking chickens. Yeah, they were chasing a chicken for a while and going on a treasure hunt. Yes. Nope. They don't have chickens. They don't have nothing. They don't have tree houses. They don't have treasure. This was built out of fucking garbage and tarps. And also, I would love to, again, bring up the guy who got so offended (laughs) at us giving that movie Badlands, right? That's the name of the, the movie. Bad is Badlands? Lands, yes. He's like that movie is a cinematic masterpiece. We're like, motherfucker, that movie has Sissy Spacek chasing chickens, chickens in the middle of a forest. Okay, why don't you calm down a little? <laughs> oh god, I feel so bad with the line I have to follow up with. Feels like a really bad joke. Okay. So then she remembers the first time she was raped. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. And how he had been holding a knife to her throat. Recalls while trapped there, he made her do things that she never thought she'd do with any man. Ugh, ever. God. Poor thing. Anytime she thinks about running, he threatens her. She'll get lost. She'll die. He'll kill her. No one will find her. Finally, he was able to imprint these false memories in her head after the five days, holding her in hostage. And the psychologist decides that it was a case of Stockholm Syndrome. The emotional, physical, and sexual abuse on top of the guilt was everything Sam needed to convince Robin that Javier's death was an accident. While the sheriff is happy to have the answers, she still doesn't have any evidence. Right. And can't do anything. She has Robin, but Robin at this point is willing to testify, but the doctor's like, I don't really want you to push her. Mm Mm-hmm. And I also don't need her to, like, tell her mom about these things just yet. Like, the doctor's really, Interesting. Like, mm-hmm. The doctor's kind of on Robin's side to just be like, I need you to just kind of just not use her if if you can. Like, yeah. find actual evidence instead of... <sighs> yeah, but she's, like we said, the backbone of the case. Li- really, though. She's the only witness. Mm-hmm. So, uh, quite the pickle mm-hmm. for our sheriff. Surprisingly... The next day, we see a clean cut, shaved, whatever, spiffy looking Sam show up to the station with his attorney ready to talk. The attorney is calling Robin's claims slander against his client. The sheriff's like, I'm not fucking having it. How dare you come in here? Try to pin this on some fucking innocent girl. I love the sheriff is so on her side. And it's a it's a woman, right? Of course. Yeah. And she's like, after everything that happened to her, they throw the polygraph results in her face. Like, go ahead. Believe the girl. But the poly didn't. And we know what's going to pass. And we know what evidence you have. And we know what's going to go down in court. Robin finally goes back to the apartment she shared with Javi. And when she's there, she looks out the window 
and I hate to do this, but it's me and I'm the worst, but it's so reminiscent of like Halloween. Okay. When Lori is in the bedroom and she looks out and she sees Michael Myers mm-hmm. in the yard. She looks out and sees, and sees Sam. She does. Exactly. And he's like behind a bush mm-hmm. and she gets scared. She looks away. And then he's gone. Yes. Yeah. So it's like, was he there? The famous hedge shot. Was he not? Yeah. It's like, you know, so she thinks she's going fucking crazy and she breaks down and she cries and her mom comes and it's a whole thing. She tells her mom she can't testify. She can't face Sam in court. She's too afraid that Sam will come after her and her mom. And reports from the lab show that there was no powder burns on Javi, disproving Sam's claim that the gun discharged while in his possession. Exactly. The sheriff is now super stoked because she thinks that she does still have Robin's testimony and now the evidence. But it's like Robin's now too too afraid. She's like, "Uh -uh, I can't do it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. The real life Contra, Kandra, yeah. um, did talk about how scared she was to testify. Um, she was really, she felt a lot of shame about talking about what happened to her in front of her family members yeah. and Jose's family members. And she was very scared because Thomas Brown was in the courtroom, mm-hmm. obviously with her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Elizabeth Smart asked her, like, how did you overcome that? Because in real life, she did testify. And she said, you just have to pretend that he's not there. You there just you have to do it and pretend that no one's there. Incredible. What an inspiration. That was So another pickle for a sheriff. We see Robin three months later living with her mom. We learn Sam skipped town and police have not found him. Robin's mom is convincing her to start her life over. and She re-enrolls in school and she gets a part-time job. At the job, she's taking out the trash and Sam confronts her. Ugh, God. The sheriff is fucking pissed. Of course. How could this piece of shit been hiding out in my own town this whole time, waiting to make his move, making us all look like fucking assholes and fucking ruining Robin just as she's got her guard down, right? Mm-hmm. The sheriff reminds Robin, this could all be over quicker if you'll testify, but now she's more scared than ever. But then Robin remembers something that leads the sheriff to the shack where they find him in the woods, right? So now they've got Sam and they've got whatever they need to fucking take him down, apparently, because really they don't go into what happened to him after that. We just see him being taken away. Okay. All we see after that is Robin going to visit Javi's grave where she bumps into Javi's dad, who is now apologizing to her. Okay, that's nice. They do. They have a really great moment, and he gives her the necklace back. Oh, that's He's like, sweet. you'll you'll always be our family. He's yeah. like, I, I couldn't have known what you went through or what happened, but... Okay, yeah, that's cute. It was. And so... 
that acceptance is what gives Robin the strength that she needs to testify. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's, like I said, we don't know what happens. So you answered that for us. That's awesome. Found guilty Mm -hmm. eight days later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Incredible. All right. What'd you think of the movie? I mean, lifetime killing it. Yeah. Fucking killing it. Mm -hmm. Short, sweet, to the point. Got the facts. Laughed out the dog. <laughs> you really appreciate that, dude. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a solid five. Whoa! Wow. Yeah. I'm shocked. Yeah. It's been so long since we've had a five the night mom, review. The mom. They killed it. it. Mm-hmm. The family checked it. Mm-hmm, Everything mm-hmm. that the the immaturity, the ages, the yeah, they fucking checked it. And they left out the dead dog. And they left out the fucking dead dog. Because who needs that? Right. Who needs that fucking disappointment when you've already got everything else? Amen. Five knife review. Another cheers. Amazing. Go lifetime. Go lifetime. All right. Perfect. And what's your look of the week? I'm Sam. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just like a piece of shit white guy. And I want to do it. Apparently, I love this for us. What episode do you think I left the gun here? (sighs) Apparently, tonight, I was looking for my rifle-looking BB gun thing Mm -hmm. all night. And I come over here with my wooden one and immediately mariah's like oh yeah by the way asshole why don't you take your other gun what episode i literally because i can't remember even what i like how long barely remember our last episode no i know exactly so i know it was long? the magdalene laundries and there was no gun involved there i never even no. posted pictures yeah i will post a picture of your nun outfit Please. maybe before Maybe you, I'll post it tomorrow before yeah, we post this you, one. you're supposed to use that as a teaser oh the nun outfit mm-hmm. um Mm. it's so funny though so apparently yeah i left one of the guns here (laughs) so she's been hiding it in her closets and i've got two guns to choose from for this look of the week but you like the one you brought i do i think it goes with this also i want to go across the street and we're gonna pose oh god damn it not this again yeah we're gonna pose with john's car not this because it's the white pickup the white pickup you know it you fucking know it how do we not pose with the white pickup was it for episode 65 definitely not lee harvey oswald where it was henry lee lucas and otis tool look at my picture i don't think so Mm -mm. no because i was in the bathroom our bloody val oh that's right our bloody valentine nope that was Sid Vicious. Mm-mm. That was us on the couch. Getting paid and getting laid. The insurance scam. I don't even remember this one. What is this That's one? That's the Iceman. No? No, getting paid and getting laid. The wild insurance scam that is the life of Dr. Glennon oh, Engelman the and the trail of bodies he left the, the dentist. No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> A smooth eight point turn. B's birthday with. Uh, um, bu- 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 bump. Warner Niesix Austrian crime spree that inspired nope, the nineteen eighty three nope. movie Angst. Uh, uh, I, I know that was us all bloody and a laying in a alley. No, nope. okay, the Iceman cometh. That's about the Iceman. But the Iceman was your husband. I didn't dress up for that episode. You just got night stalked, Richard Ramirez. 
No. I know. Is you it? Gave oh, I know what it girls. is. I got it. All the way back. It's almost 10 episodes ago. No More Stolen Sisters. The Missing and Murdered yes, Indigenous Women. when and, I was Jeremy Renner. And you were Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner. What was the name of that movie? Hold on. In, um, uh, what is it? Wind River, right? Is that the name of the movie? Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> it was almost 10 episodes again that that ago that that gun has been sitting in my closet. I had no idea. Me neither, I apparently. Oh fuck! That's hyster. That it's was my, so long ago. That was the episode where it also looked like Jurassic. Park. Which, speaking of, have you seen? It's coming soon. I can't. I saw the movie poster for it oh, with. Look, I have chills. Doctor Grant, chills. Laura Dern, and um, what's his face? What's his name? The best one. Come on. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, it's just the three of them. And then I think there's like a baby triceratops like at their feet. (sighs) I can't wait. Yeah. I haven't been this excited over Jurassic Park movie in a long time. I don't care that much about the new Jurassic World. I like them all. But I I like them all, but not as much as I like the ones with Dr. Grant. No, of course not. And Laura Dern. Mm. Our all-time favorite movie series, everybody. I'm so excited. Nick went so... Whenever he does dance with Vi, mm-hmm. he always goes by the Salvation Army because mm-hmm. it's like right there on the corner. What is he to shop? Yeah, okay, just, just to browse. They'll yeah. find. They'll just look or find whatever. And he brought me. It was like a dollar twenty-five. He got me like the behind-the-scenes makings of Jurassic Park. Great! Is it, it a VHS? It's a book. Oh, it's a book. It's a book. It's a really cool looking book. And it like fits with all of our For comic $1. books. For $1.25. What a deal. I know. I know. He was like, don't get mad. <laughs> Why would he, he be mad? Why would you be mad? Because he knows how cheap I am. He, <laughs> saw, I spent a dollar. <laughs> no, he knows how cheap I am. He's like, I just thought if anything. Yeah, but doesn't he know that you will spend infinite a, money on Jurassic, Jurassic Park? <laughs> Literally all the money. Right. Our entire life yeah. savings. <laughs> On Jurassic Park merch. Having a a dinosaur. All right. Well, is there a true crime story about dinosaurs that we could figure out here? (laughs) How excited would you be? Just like a true crime story with like paleontologists. So I did. Surprisingly enough, I found a TikTok where there is a kid who's just as obsessed with the movies as we are. And he had the same question that I did. I'm like, what the fuck? So the scene where the T-Rex, they lift the goat, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then the T-Rex easily crosses over and gets the kids mm-hmm. in the car and pushes the, the car over. Into a random it- ledge that didn't exist before. The random cliff. Correct. So what they explained is, is that... It's a slope. It's a hill mm-hmm. on the other side of the fence. Yes, where the goat came up is high, but it's like that it's a downward slope from there. So where it got pushed over mm-hmm. was, it's not like a huge fall. It looks pretty big when I, Dr. Grant is carabining across it the cable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, legit. With a screaming girl on but his back. Like, think about it. It's like the height of the tree. 
Okay, I guess. So because we're seeing it from the ground view, mm-hmm. it feels more dramatic than what it apparently it's, is. It's the height. Because of- that's easier to explain than just they fucked up and di- and had a continuity error. Right, figure it's the height of that tree and think about the That tree's height- a big fucking tree. Well, and think about the height of the, tr- of the fucking T-Rex, right? Yeah, but T-Rexes weren't that bad. I, well, and they also had fucking feathers. So you really, yeah. you want... <laughs> yeah. Somebody on TikTok was talking about like, would he rather take on this, that, or like uh, Velociraptors? Mm-hmm. And he's like, what are we talking about? Are we talking about the blah, blah, blah raptor? Are we talking about the Velociraptors oh. that they were supposed to have in Jurassic Park? And he showed what they look like. And they look like just medium-sized chickens. <gasps> like, they look, they're they not that big. Yeah. They're not that scary. They're covered in feathers. He's like, those motherfuckers? I'll take those I'll all. take them on. Yeah. Those Velociraptors. Yeah. The, the shit in Jurassic Park. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Listen, we'll get out of here in a minute, but I will say my biggest beef with the new Jurassic World movies is the fact that they treat those velociraptors like dogs. Yeah. And I don't fucking like it. Blue was all, oh, here, get your treat. Yeah. These are fucking velociraptors, motherfucker. Absolutely. They will gut you with their claw. Hopefully they do. I would love to see it. I would love to see Chris Pratt get eaten by Blue. It would be the best ending possible. Mm -hmm. It would be everything. Anywho... (laughs) Let us know what you guys think about Jurassic Park or any movie, really. I will be posting more often. I'm feeling better now. Yeah. Thank you very much for all that we're concerned. Obviously not B, but no, other people might of be. I'm never concerned. <laughs> um, to see, I swear to God, I swear, as Bluey would say, for real life. For real life. For real life. I will be posting pictures of this week's case and maybe pictures of last week's case. You never know. <laughs> you never know what I'll post. It might get crazy on there. <laughs> THC podcast on Instagram. <sighs> and if you could give us a like, subscribe, bell ringing, five-star review, we would really appreciate it. You can ring my bell. Slide into my DMs. Leave a comment. We would we love it. Other than that, we will see you next time. Bye. Goodbye, bitches. <laughs>